This is a CBC podcast. Hi there, I'm David Cochran, and this is the Power and Politics podcast for February 29th. We have breaking news today. The Right Honourable Brian Mulroney has died. Mulroney served as the 18th Prime Minister of Canada. He was 84 years old. We'll bring you lots of reaction to the news and take a look back at Mulroney's life and political career. I have uh, some breaking news to share. And that news is that the Right Honourable Brian Mulroney has died. He served as the 18th Prime Minister of Canada. The news, we first saw it, it was on um, the Twitter feed of his daughter Caroline Mulroney, who of course is a cabinet minister in the Doug Ford government here in Ontario. Uh, the CBC's chief political correspondent, Rosemary Barton, uh, joins me now uh, with more on this. Uh, Rosie, it wasn't that long ago I interviewed Brian Mulroney on the show when Ed Broadbent mm-hmm. passed away. And here we have news that, that Brian Mulroney has died. Yeah, he died. He has died at the age of uh, 84. The 18th Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Prime Minister from 1984 to 1993, as you said, and we can talk about uh, his extraordinary legacy to this country. But we should say that we we have known that he's been um, struggling a bit with his health for some time. Uh, that call that he made to you, he had was in the hospital at the time, yeah. actually, and and. Uh, as, as is uh, his character, as was his character, wanted to make sure that he paid tribute to someone that he respected and admired. Uh, when I checked in a couple of weeks ago, um, he, I was told that he was out of hospital, uh, that he was recovering, that he was doing better. Um, and so this, th- this comes as a bit of a surprise, I will say. Um, but he had been struggling with various um, health challenges over the past number of months. Yeah, it was, um, it was an unusual interview in the sense that it was audio only. It was by phone uh, on, the, on that day. And he was in hospital. And we did not obviously broadcast that uh, piece of information because his personal health is his personal yeah. health. Um, but look, um, he was sort of the prime minister of my, of my growing up years. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, free trade, uh, the Meech Lake. Um, uh, battles, the constitutional battles. I mean, what's your assessment? What would your assessment be of Brian Mulroney's legacy? <laughs> That's going to take us a while. Yeah. Um, and and the, the only person that liked talking about Brian Mulroney's legacy more was Brian Mulroney. <laughs> <laughs> he he did, did a lot of remarkable things for the country um, and had a lot of challenges. Uh, a few of the things that uh, first come to mind, of course, the GST, something that yeah. was um, a defining moment for this country and, and for his government. Uh, the negotiations with NAFTA, as you point out, which led to a, a lot of bitter divide in this country in terms of where people stood with the issue of free trade with the United States. A lot of people believe that he was uh, in some ways uh, compromising Canada's sovereignty in, in order to try and create this trade relationship. Remember that when uh, NAFTA was was renegotiated under uh, this Trudeau government, he also played a role there and encouraged the government right. along uh, in, in that renegotiation. He also played a role in um, ending apartheid in South Africa. Uh, he, he was a, a larger-than-life figure, and not without controversy. Not without controversy. Uh, a lot of the, the time that I spent covering Brian Mulroney was around the... Um, the uh, the uh, Oliphant inquiry uh, into his dealings with Karl Heinz Schreiber. There right. were a lot of Airbus. questions into that, right, and to the Airbus scandal that that he uh, managed to sort of come out of that uh, still. And in many ways, his re- his reputation was was rehabilitated um, over time. He he was an elder statesman for yes, the Conservative Party um, as it grew into something else, something that he didn't always agree with in terms mm. of the values mm-hmm. and and positions of the party. But he was also in many ways an elder statesman for the country. 
um, he t- took phone calls from Justin Trudeau. He had things to say to anyone who wanted to seek out his advice. Um, he he was uh, uh, a funny, <laughs> brash man um, who liked to swear word uh, when he called you on the phone and, and <laughs> liked to swear word when he was talking uh, to his friends and colleagues and had a lot of time uh, for for people. One of the things that people will tell you about Brian Mulroney is that he would remember things about you, yeah. uh, things about your family and things about your children. And so this must be a difficult day for uh, his family and, and his children today. The uh, the last big public event I remember seeing from Brian Mulroney was the eulogy he gave for John Crosby at the uh, Anglican Cathedral in downtown St. John's right before the big snowstorm that hammered St. John's in 2020. And he, he his oration skills, his ability to speak, yep. and knowing that, I remember he had a great line about, if you're a prime minister, you're blessed with a, with, with a John Crosby in your cabinet. He said, but only one. Because two would be too many, and you know he had that sort of personal connection and an ability to to connect with people that you know as you talked about in terms of remembering specific things about people's families, about their birthdays or anniversaries. This is why it, you know right before he left as prime minister, when his government was at its nadir in terms of popularity, he still had such enormous support because of that personal outreach and ability to connect with people and sort of hold things together even in, in difficult times. And and you go back to that 1988 free trade. Election. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. You know, you were here when Ed Broadbent passed away, Brian Mulroney's passed away, John Turner passed away several years ago. The three leaders who faced off in that seminal election about yep. the economic direction of the country continentally, all gone now. Yeah, um, and and marked so many milestones, not only for the Conservative Party in the country, but also personal milestones. He was the first Canadian Prime Minister in 35 years to win successive majority governments. That is not something that we see easily these days. Um, And and really marked a a change in in the direction that the country was going. Um, He he also was um, uh, a, a Quebec conservative leader, which mm-hmm. is also not something we've seen in some time. He was born in Baycomo. Um, he had a very uh, regular upbringing in, in a, a small Quebec town. And that went on to, I think, fuel his ambition and his desire to uh bring change to the country as well. You know, you mentioned uh, his role in things like uh, ending the apartheid regime or playing a role in helping to end the apartheid regime in South Africa. Also, you know, with climate uh, on a day where we're yes, fighting over the yep. carbon tax, his work with the United States on, on acid rain. Um, very much at, at the forefront uh, of issues on equality and rights and, and on the environment at, at you know, at, at 30, 40 years ago, yep. uh, you know, at a time when it was less of a prominent daily political issue, certainly on climate, than it is right now. Yeah, the acid rain treaty was uh, hugely significant at the time. It was really the first moment where the world worked together to um, recognize that there was an environmental threat and that they needed to sign on to it. And Mulroney uh, was part of that. And he was later recognized as the quote-unquote greenest prime minister in history because they, mm-hmm. they believed that he had those values and inclination sort of ahead of his time, if you will, that he was seeing things that needed to be done before it was sort of common for, for those things to be talked about. Um, he, he resigned in uh, 1993. Uh, the party was in bad shape at the time, right? It, yep. it had suffered from uh, the GST debate. Uh, Kim Campbell took over. The party was defeated. And, and, and then it, it was sort of the Conservative Party on the outs for, for about a decade as, as the Liberals um, took over. But 
and then and then that was sort of the end of that conservative party, right? He was leader of the progressive conservative party, yeah. and the conservative party was left to rebuild and form itself into the coalition it is now. But one of the things that I, I think people admire about him again is that even though the party reshaped itself, and again I would say that he didn't always agree with some of the positions that they had, he was still there in, in the background, offering advice to people. He did talk to Pierre Poiliev. He did talk to. Um, other leaders to offer assurances and and give thoughts about the direction of the party. So he he was he was sort of yes he was a different kind of conservative, but he still believed very much in some of the values the Conservative Party espouses. Right, you very much remember that 1993 election where it was just Jean Charest and Elsie Wayne left standing right. at the end of the night after you know having this uh, seismic uh, historic uh, majority. And and Rosie, on this breaking news, just to catch people up, uh, Brian Mulroney has passed away. The Right Honourable Brian Mulroney has died. He served as the 18th Prime Minister of Canada. News coming uh, from his family, his daughter Caroline Mulroney, a cabinet minister in the Ontario government, uh, making the uh, breaking the news uh, on her social media uh, account on Twitter today. And uh, Rosie, uh, as we often do in these situations, we've prepared obituaries of, of prominent Canadians. You worked uh, on the one for Brian Mulroney. Is there anything you want to say to set it up or we just play the tape? No, I, th I think uh, play it. There's some, some good moments that will uh, make people reflect on who he was. Okay. Here we go. His very first foray into politics to become leader of the Progressive Conservative Party brought him a bitter loss. He channeled that bitterness into another leadership run seven years later. That time, he won handily. And renewed the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada with the largest majority in Canadian history at the time. Brian Mulroney created deep loyalties with those around him in unifying the party. Some of those loyalties were later tested and lost. Mulroney came from the small town of Bécomo on the north shore of the St. Lawrence River. Remote and isolated, he grew up in an Irish Catholic family, the son of an electrician at the local paper mill. But his ordinary upbringing was quickly overtaken by his extraordinary life. A close friendship with then U.S. President Ronald Reagan, what many saw as an attempt to change the relationship between Canada and the United States, and a first step towards a free trade agreement between the two countries, something Mulroney had initially opposed. In fact, free trade became the center point of Mulroney's pivotal second federal election in 1988. Our message is clear. Canada is open for business again. Bitterly fought, it became about Canadian patriotism. You've sold us out. I happen to believe that once you... Mr. And Turner, just, what, just, just one second. Second. Once any you nation, do not, you do not have a monopoly what? on patriotism. What? What? And I resent what? the fact that your implication that only you were a Canadian. Mulroney won his second majority, leaving him lots of room to move forward with bold and potentially controversial ideas, including bringing in the much-disliked GST. We are doing it because it is right for Canada. It must be done. As a son of La Belle Province, Mulroney also made promises to recognize Quebec as a distinct society. And he sought to complete something his predecessor and political nemesis Pierre Trudeau failed to do. Attempt to win Quebec's signature on Canada's repatriated constitution. That kicked off years of negotiations with the provinces, starting with the Meech Lake Accord. But as it moved towards ratification, some provincial governments had now changed and were suddenly no longer on board. 
I believe it's about time that you allow the Aboriginal people to be heard. A one-day meeting turned into a week-long, last-ditch effort to save the agreement that ultimately failed. It's a sad day for Canada. This was all about Canada, about the unity of our country. The disappointment turned to anger from some Conservative Quebec MPs who left to form the Bloc Québécois, including one of Mulroney's close friends, Lucien Bouchard. Mulroney never forgave him. And Western Canadians, too, began to feel left out, leading Preston Manning to create the Reform Party, both leading to damaging splits within the Conservative movement down the road. Mulroney's second attempt to get Quebec to sign on to the Constitution came in the form of the Charlottetown Accord. It also failed in 1992 after being put to a referendum. It was the end of a quarter century of constitutional reform in this country, and it was more fodder for those who simply were ready to move on from the Mulroney era. Yet, he still had work to do. If there are not fundamental changes in South Africa, we are prepared to invoke total sanctions against that country and its repressive regime. Pressuring international partners to denounce the apartheid in South Africa and free Nelson Mandela. It won Mulroney worldwide praise and a visit from a grateful and free Mandela just months after his release. Mulroney signed the Acid Rain Accord with the United States in 1991, earning him kudos from environmentalists. But Canada had wearied of Mulroney after a turbulent nine years, and he left politics in 1993. I always tried to do what I thought would be right for Canada in the long term, not what could be politically popular in the short term. What followed was the start of a long liberal reign. His successor, Kim Campbell, managed to win only two seats. His years after politics were marked with some embarrassing legal battles, including questions about his relationship with the German businessman Karl-Heinz Schreiber, resulting in an inquiry. Mulroney did admit to accepting a quarter of a million dollars from Schreiber for consulting. I was fighting for my life and the honour of my family. The inquiry found the former Prime Minister's dealings with Schreiber were inappropriate and not ethical. Mulroney called it the worst mistake of his life and set to rebuild his reputation. Conservatives once again sought his counsel or his blessing, and the Liberal successor to his old foe, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, counted on his advice during negotiations around NAFTA 2.0. Even in the moments when Mulroney knew he was strongly disliked by many Canadians for his decisions, he believed strongly in why he was doing it. In the fullness of time, history, and a more reflective nation will tell us whether our hopes for the ultimate success of these policies were in fact realized. Mulroney marked the history of this country time and time again. And now in his passing, Canadians may reflect on just how much he gave and how much he changed their country. Rosemary Barton, CBC News, Ottawa. Uh, Rosie, that is quite the piece, and you're, you're ending line there, uh, how much he changed the country. Um, just going back over everything, big things, big ideas, mm. right? Free trade, Meech Lake, Charlottetown, South Africa. Like, that is an ambi- ambitious agenda for a very ambitious prime minister. Yeah, and some of them didn't work out. Let's yeah. be honest, uh, Meech and Charlottetown would be the, the two sort of biggest um, attempts at things to, to try and bring Quebec uh, into a different uh, era in, 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 in the Constitution, and two things that, that failed. And remember, as, as you saw in that piece there, um, 
the, the disagreement that he had with his, his good friend, uh, Lucien Bouchard, resulted in, in the creation of the Bloc Québécois, which then went on to sort of change the nature of politics in Ottawa. So, so some of the things that he attempted uh, for, he believed, fundamentally, the good of the country and failed, ended up uh, positioning the country I- in a different place and positioning his own home province in a different yeah. place. Um, but but he, uh, you know, uh, as I said there, he, he really believed in what he was doing um, through all of that. And, and he took on a big role um, in the world, which I think is also significant. Not that, that Pierre Trudeau before him didn't do that, um, but, but he took up a lot of space internationally. He had uh, good relationships with... Um, world leaders in Germany and elsewhere in Europe, obviously good relationships in, in South Africa. He was extremely close to Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I'm sure people remember. Are smiling. That's right. Yeah. The, the, the summit in Quebec City where they got up there and and uh, stood in their Irishness and enjoyed one another's company. <laughs> their Irishness. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he even just recently, um, I remember talking to him not that long ago, sometime last year, where he was being honored in New York for his support of Israel and um, and uh, Jewish people. And, and he his health was failing. And I remember him saying to me, I really want to get to this. It's a really big deal for me. Mm-hmm. And he went down and, and got this award. So he, he, as well as shaping the country, and, and again, for good and for bad, not everyone obviously agreed with him, uh, given the way his career ended. He, he really believed in the intent behind the things he was doing. He left because um, it, 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 it wasn't what Canadians wanted, and it had been a long time of him in power, and we see that time and again with prime ministers. And people were angry over uh, yeah. the GST. Yeah. They really were. And, and he was starting to, to feel that and to feel like he had overstayed his welcome. That, that the, the controversial point there in, in the obit uh, with Carl Heinz Schreiber, that was also a very difficult period for him, uh, that inquiry. Um, it, it dug into some uh, very personal um, pieces of his life around his own business dealings and finances. And he had to, um, as you heard there, admit to making mistakes, making serious mistakes in his dealings uh, with Karl Heinz Schreiber, who remember is now in a prison in Germany. So um, he, he had some moments that were in many ways, I think a little bit embarrassing for him uh, that that he had to admit to these things and try and push past them. What what I think is so remarkable, though, is how he managed to recover um, yeah. his his reputation and um, and have people remember the things that he contributed to the country as opposed to those mistakes. Because every prime minister makes mistakes, right? And, and as you say, the, the finding of that inquiry that his business things were inappropriate and unethical. Yes, right. You know, it, it's sort of this uh, a dark footnote on what have been a very ambitious political career because we are we were not expecting this today because we have the breaking news that the right honorable Brian Mulroney has died. Uh, we first learned of this news, I, I believe, uh, from Caroline Mulroney, his daughter, who on her Twitter feed said, on behalf of my mother and our family, it is with great sadness we announce the passing of my father, the right honorable Brian Mulroney, Canada's 18th prime minister. He died peacefully, surrounded by family. And uh, Caroline Mulroney, who of course is a cabinet minister in the Doug Ford government in Ontario, says we will share details uh, of arrangements when they become available. Um, we're told, too, that that the Prime Minister has spoken uh, with the family. We're expecting a statement from Justin Trudeau uh, at some point uh, quite soon, his office tells me. Uh, but joining us now is former CBC Parliamentary Bureau Chief uh, Rob Russo. Um, Rob, um, thank you uh, for answering the call. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on hearing this news? Well, uh, it's the passing of somebody who fundamentally changed the nature of the country. Um, uh, and uh, we can argue about his legacy, but there's no arguing about the impact 
the man had on on the history of Canada. Uh, he he fundamentally changed the nature of our constitutional democracy. Even though the Meech Lake Accord didn't pass, uh, the traces of Meech Lake were followed uh, quite assiduously by the people of Quebec, who continue to call themselves a distinct society and have governed themselves accordingly ever since Meech Lake went down. Uh, fundamentally changed the nature of our relationship with the United States. Uh, it was a, a relationship of some discomfort uh, under uh, uh, the current Prime Minister's father, Pierre Trudeau, uh, and there was some unease, some suspicion for some time, uh, and he changed it. He changed it to a relationship that was uh, much closer, where Canada wielded far more influence in the Oval Office than it had in a long, long time. Uh, he changed the nature of our relationship overseas as well uh, with with our allies in, in that uh, he he carried great sway in the momentous debates of the day, particularly over issues like apartheid, over issues uh, such as whether or not we could engage the Soviet Union under Mikhail Gorbachev. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a, and on a personal note, uh, I've got to tell you that as a reporter, he was an absolute joy to cover. Uh, not because he liked us all the time. I, <laughs> I, I'm somebody he put into the deep freeze a, a, a few times. But he actually cared about what reporters thought. He engaged them, often privately. Uh, he railed at them, raged at them, but paid attention to them. And as a result, uh, it was it was a great time for journalism as well, because we thought we, we had probably more influence than we were going to have for the next several decades. He, uh, uh, he, he uh, was somebody who really did want to be, if not loved, then respected by journalists, and he courted them. Um, and it was, quite, quite frankly, fun to be courted. So it, uh, it, it is the end of an era in many, many ways of, of a man who marked history uh, with swashbuckling attempts to change the country, some of them successful, some of them not so successful, but even the unsuccessful uh, attempts left their traces. We have a reaction from Jean Charest um, on his Twitter feed, who was one of the only two MPs left after that 1993 election, him and Elsie Wayne uh, holding under their seats in the House of Commons. He says, Mr. Mulroney is one of the greatest prime ministers in Canadian history. He was an exceptional leader, a visionary, and a statesman whose influence had a significant impact on the international stage. I remember him as generous, passionate, and deeply attached to Canada. Our country owes Prime Minister Mulroney a profound debt of gratitude. My family and I offer our deepest condolences to his wife, Mila, his children, Caroline, Ben, Mark, and Nicholas and their families. So we're getting a reaction um, from uh, political leaders and, and former colleagues of Brian Mulroney. And, and Rob, just to touch on your point, that the, the, the punctuation marks of Brian Mulroney's career in terms of the policy achievements, uh, good and bad, uh, do shape the country. I mean, where would Canada be right now without the GST? Where would it be without free trade in terms of you know the economic and financial security of the country? Controversial issues at the time, but ones that over time, Rob, have, 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 have carried the argument, it seems. Yes, and, and he had a, a political legacy and echoes that, that carried forward. We just, we just heard from Jean Charest. If Jean Charest had, had a mentor, it was Brian Mulroney who, who brought him to Ottawa uh, with the sweep in Quebec in, in 1984. I, I mean, we, we kind of take it for granted that, uh, that Conservatives can win seats in Quebec now. That, that wasn't the case. Under, right. under Pierre Trudeau, uh, the, the Conservatives were often shut out. It was because of Brian Mulroney. He made that the Conservative Party palatable to the people of Quebec. And, and how did he do that? Uh, he told them, if you don't uh, uh, embrace 
the fact that there, that people speak French in this country, a great swath mm-hmm. of them, you're always going to be shut out. You're always going to be struggling. Uh, and if you don't recognize the people of Quebec and, and their distinctness, you're always going to be shut out. Uh, he used to talk about having meetings of the Quebec Conservative Party in a phone booth. Uh, and he wasn't far from the truth. Uh, they were they really were quite extinct for a long, long time. Right. And like like Mr. Charest, he trained Mr. Charest as a as a tub thumping campaigner. Brian Mulroney was a wonder to behold as a campaigner. I, I followed him in the 1988 campaign. It was the first campaign I followed as a kind of a big boy reporter uh, where he took on an issue where he was on the defensive over free trade. Uh, and he turned that election around in the middle of a campaign. He convinced Canadians to go someplace where they were reluctant to go. Right. And it was one of those rare times where you see uh, a leader actually do that. Take their people where they're reluctant to go, convince them that it's there in their best interest, and did so in the heat of a campaign. It was quite something to behold. Okay, uh, we've got Aaron Weary uh, joining this conversation now. He's a senior writer with uh, CBC News, uh, and uh, Rosemary Barton, our chief political correspondent, is here, along with uh, Rob Russo, our old boss, the former parliamentary bureau chief here at the CBC. The breaking news we have is the death of Brian Mulroney, the 18th Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Brian Mulroney, is uh, passing, announced by his daughter Caroline Mulroney, and uh, we have a statement now from Pierre Polyev, uh, the leader of the uh, Conservative Party, expressing his condolences to the Mulroney family and saying, from Bay Como, the son of an Irish Electrician raised in a working class community, Mr. Mulroney had achieved prodigious success in business by the time he was in his late 30s. He led the Iron Ore Company of Canada as president and played leading roles in many of Canada's other brilliant companies. His success in politics was even greater, winning the biggest majority in Canadian history along with an impressive re election. But it was the transformational change he brought to his nearly a decade as prime minister that is most important. He unleashed free enterprise, crushed inflation, restored fiscal sanity and concluded one of the greatest free trade agreements the world has ever seen, which remains largely in place today. These changes gave thousands of working-class families the same opportunities he had. That is, the chance to work hard, buy a home, and build their dreams. And he ends by saying, I'll always be thankful for his candid advice and generous mentorship to me personally. All Canadians are grateful for Brian Mulroney's immense sacrifice and the lasting legacy he leaves us all. Aaron, um, what are your thoughts uh, as, as we, we learn this news of the passing of uh, one of Canada's most significant prime ministers? Yeah, I think a few things jump out. Uh, you know, Pierre Polyev actually kind of made reference to it there. The, the First of all, the, 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 the huge victory they, the PCs won under Brian Mulroney mm-hmm. in 1984. It's, it's really hard to imagine uh, a political party at this point getting 50% of the popular vote uh, like the PCs did in 1984 and winning, you know, more than 200 seats. Uh, that, you know, it is remarkable that, of course, the PC party, you know, less than nine years later was essentially in shambles, but it, it, it does speak to a, a pretty remarkable moment in time. His his dealings on free trade, which, of course, we've already discussed, I mean, I, I think it is worth reflecting on the fact that you know, the sheer amount of effort that the Trudeau liberals put into saving that deal when Donald Trump was threatening to rip it up is a pretty remarkable uh, 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 sort of indication of of Brian Mulroney's legacy in that respect. Uh, It took a lot to get Canada to make a free trade deal with with the United States, something that Canada had thought about and fought about for decades. It was a major, not just a practical achievement, but just a psychological achievement of making a deal like that. And the fact that, you know, years later we're fighting to keep that deal alive I think really speaks to the achievement. The other thing, you know, it's... It, it some, sometimes gets lost in the shuffle uh, of everything else that happened during those those years in power. 
But Brian Mulroney took a pretty interesting uh, interest in the environment and climate change. Uh, there was something called the Toronto Conference on the Changing Atmosphere in 1988, which was sort of one of the first major climate change, international climate change conferences that, you know, Brian Mulroney opened with a, an opening address. Uh, Stephen Lewis was the moderator as our as our ambassador to uh, the United Nations, I believe, at the time. Canada then goes on under Brian Mulroney to negotiate an acid rain treaty with the United States. I mean, people now, you know, people now will probably don't even know the concept of acid rain. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, there's a real legacy of, of early environmental policy that was ahead of its time in some ways. And if we had, you know, followed it up in the years after, really would have left us in a better place. I think there was a, a tremendous amount of foresight there on the, on the part of, of that government. And it's really to their credit. And, and, and tremendous communications, Rosie, because branding something as acid rain. How do you push back against taking action on that? Yeah, and actually that, that's something that his government was very good at as yeah. well, is branding. But j- just to Aaron's point in terms of being kind of visionary on, and, and ahead of his time on the environment, I mean, I think you could say the same with the economy, frankly. As much as people uh, doubted uh, NAFTA, that is the direction that the world went in pretty quickly, yeah. right, with globalization. And he foresaw that working as a hemisphere together was going to be beneficial to this country as a opposed to uh, forcing us to completely lose our, our, our identity. I know some people will still have qualms with yep. that and dispute it, but but that is the, d- the direction that the world was headed in. And he also, w- with his, uh, I believe it was his finance minister, Don Mazankowski, saw that, embraced it, and went on to negotiate it, which is, what, what you know, to Aaron's point, why it was so important for uh, this current government to keep it. Um, I, I will just go back, perhaps... And I know we'll talk more about about his politics because so many so many things um, were sort of the sparks of other things. I mean, in many ways, Mulroney's uh, political demise was the birth of the Reform Party, the Bloc Québécois. I mean, like things yeah. changed. His constitutional so dr- efforts may have led to the referendum. That's right. right? Changed yeah. so so dramatically. But just to go back to his humanity, just for a moment, because I, I really think that in moments like this, it is important for. Canadians who met him and for his family to recognize that he was someone who went out of his way, as Rob was pointing out, to make those personal and human connections. I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school that to say that one of the things Brian Mulroney loved to do was to call people on the phone. Like this mm-hmm. was like, mm-hmm. a th- you know, he was, he, it was before, he was not a texter, he was not an <laughs> emailer, he was the kind of guy that wanted to call you on the phone. And um, when you got those calls, and uh, in the voice, I will not do my bad Mulroney imitation. (laughs) But when you got those deep calls, hello, Rosie, or whoever he was calling, that was it, right? You had to set some time aside because sometimes he had many things to say about many different things and many stories to tell. Um, And and I think that, you know, that's uh, part of what Rob's talking about there. That that is a different kind of politician um, who, who made time for everyone. Uh, not just world leaders and important people, but but mere reporters and and others who sought out his opinion. There's a weird symmetry on the 40th anniversary of the Pierre Elliott Trudeau walk in the that. snow yeah. that yeah. Brian yeah. Mulroney passes away. The, you on know, the, the leap year. Yeah, on, on a leap year. It, uh, it just, yeah, his birthday uh, was coming up March 20th. He would have been 85. Um, so we have some more reaction uh, from Jagmeet Singh, the federal leader of the NDP. I'm saddened to hear of the death of the Right Honorable Brian Mulroney. He made an important contribution to Canada 
agenda, including protecting our environment, to Aaron's point, leading the world in tackling acid rain and banning chemicals that were destroying the ozone layer. He was also a strong opponent of apartheid, leading the efforts to sanction South Africa by Commonwealth nations. My deep sympathy to his family. And our colleague, Megan Fitzpatrick, has sent along a statement from Ontario Premier Doug Ford. Brian Mulroney was a giant. He leaves behind an unmatched legacy as Canada's 18th Prime Minister. That includes negotiating NAFTA and helping to end apartheid in South Africa. Canada has lost its ultimate statesman. Brian was so generous with his time when faced with tough decisions, I often leaned on him for advice and benefited from his experience and his political instincts. He was a role model to me and taught me countless lessons on how to be a better leader. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on, on some of the reaction we've seen, some of the points Rosie and, and Aaron may have made. Well, as, as we hear from people who are in politics now, we're, we're reminded that the carpet uh, to his office in downtown Montreal and the carpet in his home in, in Westmount in Montreal was well-worn by people who came to seek his advice uh, long after he left. And they ranged from people uh, on both sides of the aisle. Uh, um, Steve, Stephen Harper, Stephen Harper sought his, uh, sought his advice. Mm. Uh, Pierre Poilier sought his advice. Justin Trudeau sought his advice. Everybody wanted to go and find out what was on uh, Brian's mind. What could they learn from him? What could they tell him? Would, would he give them their blessing? Uh, and, and so uh, he suffered from what a lot of the people around him, uh, they dreaded it sometimes, called the black wire disease. Yes, he loved to get on the phone <laughs> and talk. Uh, and, and sometimes he would get in trouble. Uh, b before he became prime minister, he was quite open about the fact that sometimes he drank too much. And, and he quit that when he decided to run for the leadership the second time. But between those two leaderships, sometimes he would call and he would cry on the shoulders of some of those reporters. There, there, there were people uh, in Montreal. Uh, where I, when I worked for the Canadian press in Montreal, who would regularly, we'd regularly get calls from Mr. Mulroney, uh, and, and he would lament the state of the Conservative Party. And then when he became Prime Minister, he continued to do that with certain reporters as well. Just a guy who loved the game and, and missed the game. And when the game stopped being politics, I can tell you that people who used to work for him, and he would help them find jobs, he didn't stop playing the game. He would compete in business as well against some of his own former people and sometimes those elbows those elbows will, were still sharp he'd elbow them out of the way um but influence long after he left office with a lot of political people and i can tell you mr trump as well uh, uh right. who was yeah. newly elected president trump reached yeah. out to brian moroni they had a chat as well in florida as palm beach neighbors so the man's influence echoed and echoed and echoed we, we are uh, being told that we're going to hear from former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien uh, later this evening. He's going to be speaking here in Ottawa, we believe, in the foyer of the House of Commons in about 35 minutes or so from now. So clearly stand by for live coverage of that. And, and Rob, I, I never got any calls from Biden already except one, and Rosie broke with that. And, and that was on January... <laughs> transferred it to But you. that it was, was on January 11th. And, and Aaron, this is when Ed Broadbent passed away, and Brian Mulroney, who we, we can now reveal, was in hospital at the time. It was a, a phone call interview on a television show, which is a rare thing, and speaks, I think, to the condition his health was in. But one of the things we discussed was um, obviously Ed Broadbent, his legacy, his the way he did politics, but a, a New York Times article from just before the 1988 election where Ed Broadbent was beating Brian Mulroney in the polls because of opposition to free trade and the progressive politics that Ed Broadbent stood for at, at the time. And Brian Mulroney said, yeah, it's not what you want to read while you're having your, your cereal, but I knew I'd get him. But it speaks to the, the, how divisive 
what is now just mainstream economic policy was in 1988 in that critical election. Yeah, and how big the comeback was. I mean, when people yeah. are searching for president for precedence for the current prime minister and his polling situation, uh, there really is only one in terms of someone coming back, and that's Brian Mulroney. Uh, you know, that, that speaks to, you know, not only Mr. Mulroney's ability, but the singular issue of free trade. I think, though, that the, the fact that he was so willing to speak to people and that people were so willing to seek him out really speaks to uh, a, a sort of, like, cross-partisan appeal uh, that Brian Mulroney had. I don't know how many conservative prime ministers Justin Trudeau would have ever invited into the PMO to help him <laughs> prepare on NAFTA, but Brian Mulroney was one of them. I Just uh, just to interrupt you there for one second, Aaron, uh, we do have reaction from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He's put a statement on his, on his Twitter feed. Brian Mulroney loved Canada. I'm devastated to learn of his passing. He never stopped working for Canadians, and he always sought to make this country an even better place to call home. I'll never forget the insights he shared with me over the years. He was generous, tired and incredibly passionate. As we mourn his passing and keep his family and friends in our thoughts, let us also acknowledge and celebrate Mr. Mulroney's role in building the modern, dynamic, and prosperous country we all know today. So uh, warm words there from uh, uh, Justin Trudeau and Brian Mulroney, Aaron, and speaks to the point that he sought his counsel. He reached out to him. He relied on him. Whatever the partisan disagreements, the patriotic alignment was there. Yeah, I have no doubt that Mr. Mulroney appreciated having people uh, like the prime minister seek out his counsel. But <laughs> I do think it is. it does speak to, you know, another thing that, that gets said about Brian Mulroney a lot, even amongst prime ministers, is, you know, the relationship between a prime minister and, the, and his parliamentary caucus is is uh, not always easy, and it's very easy for a prime minister to become sort of distant or disengaged or even divorced from their own parliamentary caucus. And yeah. the, the, the sort of gold standard, the, the prime minister who was always referenced as the one who did this right, was Brian Mulroney, who would call up MPs, who had an open-door policy for MPs, who would constantly you know, seek out their advice and their counsel and talk to them. And, uh, you know, what is politics except talking to people and shaking hands and getting to know people and trying to make connections? And Brian Mulroney was very gifted at it. Uh, and, you know, not only was he gifted at it, but he left behind, you know, kind of a policy legacy and a personal rapport that, mm -hmm. as I said earlier, you know, people from all sides could reach out to and say, you know, I'm happy to be seen talking to Brian Mulroney. I'm happy to talk to Brian Mulroney and, and seek him out. You know, I don't know how how many nice things Jagmeet Singh would have to say about every prime minister who has preceded uh, the current one. But, you know, I think Brian Mulroney left behind a kind of very cross-partisan centrist appeal to a lot of people. We, we have reaction from Francois Legault, the, the Premier of Quebec. He says, Brian Mulroney, the little guy from Bay Como, as Prime Minister of Canada, he was a visionary with his Canada-U.S. free trade agreement. He stood tall in opposing the apartheid regime in South Africa. He knew how to fight against acid rain, uh, one of the great environmental challenges at the time. He was also a true ambassador who promoted Quebec and Canada throughout the world. My thoughts are with his family and loved ones. Um, my apologies for looking down and reading off my laptop, folks, but it's one of the things that happens, Rosie, as, as we know, on days like this, when a significant historical figure like Brian Mulroney passes away. Your thoughts on what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had to say uh, on the passing of uh, former Conservative Prime Minister Brian Mulroney? Um, you know, I, I think Justin Trudeau uh, probably understood a lot of what Brian Mulroney went through, uh, given his, his own father and his own upbringing. I know that mm. uh, he certainly understood what uh, Brian Mulroney's four children, Carolyn, Ben, Mark, and Nicholas, uh, lived through and, and is probably thinking of that as well tonight. It's a very small club of people that, uh, that understand these um, very public lives. Um, but as Aaron said, I think that... Um, uh, 
Justin Trudeau sought him out and rightly sought him out on some big issues. Um, it is true, as Rob said, that he had some sort of at one point, I'm not sure that it was enduring, but some sort of relationship with, with Donald Trump at one point because yeah. they were uh, sort of neighborly. Um, and so he, he sort of understood a little bit uh, how he operated and some of the people around him. And that, uh, in turn, became very important information for Justin Trudeau as they set up how they were going to approach him. Um, just to go back to uh, the Quebec issue, because I, yeah. I, I do think it is... Um, supremely important that that we highlight that that he was you know perhaps first and foremost a Quebecer that that was what shaped him um, and that yes he was you know of, of Irish descent and was very proud of that and and came from very little but but his 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 identity was as a Quebecer that that is who he was and what he identified with so when he made those two attempts um, with Meech and Charlottetown and, and tried to bring in Quebec and and define it as a distinct society it was because Quebec was so close to his heart and he was trying to find a way to uh, to recognize that at the same time though he did do things for Western Canada too you know he, he did um, outreach with resources and yeah. And other things, and so he, he, it's not like he was um, choosing Quebec over the rest of the country, and I think that that's pretty important as well because I don't think all prime ministers are successful in having support across the country, and and he did. Um, in fact, he started. Remember his career as an MP. He was actually elected, I think, in a in a by election in Central Nova, um, and was sort of mocked at the time by by Pierre Trudeau for for landing. <laughs> it was yeah. what we would call a parachute candidate um, for getting <laughs> into the house that way, even though he was uh, a Quebecer and was fundamentally a Quebecer. But I, I think that he he. Yes, all these sort of things sort of fell from his decision, the Bloc Québécois, the Reform Party, as you said, the referendum. But it was because he was so, I think you wouldn't mind me saying, hell-bent on getting Quebec the recognition that, yeah. that he believed that it, it deserved. And bringing and, it into the and, Constitution. And bringing it in, but yeah. but at the same time defining it as a, as a special place, because I think it was a special place to him. Okay, we're, we are reaching out uh, for reaction. I want to bring in a special guest, John Manley, former Deputy Prime Minister of Canada uh, in a Liberal government. Uh, but this is a day for people of all political stripes uh, to reflect on the legacy and passing of former Prime Minister uh, Brian Mulroney. Mr. Manley, uh, thank you for answering our call on, on such short notice. Yes. What are your thoughts uh, on a day like this, sir? Well, it's the passing of a, an enormous personality from our political scene in Canada. Um, in fact, uh, broader than that, because uh, his legacy was that he was a he was one of those prime ministers that mattered in the world. Uh, he mattered to U.S. presidents. He's the only Canadian to ever give a eulogy at not one but two uh, presidential funerals: those of Ronald Reagan and, and George H. W. Bush, as well as uh, as as George Bush's uh, a widow um, Barbara Bush. Um, that just says a lot about how much influence he really was able to bring uh, to the international scene. In the uh, statements and the immediate reflections we're seeing from people, Mr. Manley, political enemies, political foes, political uh, supporters, there's acid rain, there's apartheid, there's free trade, you know, uh, equality and equal rights, uh, defending the environment and economic expansion. These are three pillars of his legacy that are there and three fundamental issues that we're still dealing with as a country and, a, and as, yeah. a, as a planet today. Well, that's right. You know, he, let's face it. He bet his government on the, on the Canada-U.S. free trade agreement. 
Uh, and it was, it's hard to remember now because people more or less have aligned no matter what their, their partisan colors around the benefits to Canada being part of trade agreements. But in 1988, it was not a given at all. And uh, that could have gone either way. And, uh, and he, he brought it about. It was a, that was, that's a big thing. Um, and uh, the bringing in the GST was a big thing. In many ways, the importance of that tax was only revealed after he had left office when it, it essentially enabled our government to, uh, to balance the budget. And, and that, in turn, put Canada in a position when the great, um, the great financial crisis occurred to have some fiscal muscle and be able to, to exercise it. Those are big things. Right. Prime ministers sometimes can be very incremental, uh, but uh, he was willing to make the big, the big bets. You were elected in that great free trade election in Ottawa South in, in yes, 1988. I and uh, I, I would suggest your views on free trade maybe evolved over the years <laughs> from the position your party ran on uh, in that election. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to say that if you go back and read the record, you'll see that I was, I was sometimes critical of the agreement, <laughs> but never of the principle. So I right. tried to walk that line. Um, and and, uh, and as, as the party evolved, uh, before the 1993 election, you'll remember it was it was the Liberal government that actually finally uh, approved the NAFTA agreement uh, and also uh, the WTO agreement. So, so uh, at some point we're all free traders. But you know, the more important thing that I I would like to comment on is that Brian Brian he, I, not a political enemy. I, I don't I don't think I have many political enemies. Mm -hmm. Political opponent, yes. Um, but he was invariably gracious uh, to me. I can remember being in, an, in, in more than one audience when he was giving speeches, when he would single me out just to say that I was there. Um, and uh, I remember when Boris Yeltsin addressed the House of Commons, um, Prime Minister Mulroney took him by the elbow and took him across the floor and introduced him to me. Um, gracious things that, uh, you know, they, so much of what we see now in political discourse is anger and finger pointing and, and, uh, and ad hominem attacks. Uh, he rose above those and showed himself to be, yes, a political animal, but uh, fundamentally a gracious and kind human being. No, uh, you, you, we did show uh, some clips earlier, though, Mr. Manley, of the debate in 1988. You sold us out, and you do not have a monopoly on patriotism. There were pointed, sharp attacks, but perhaps not with the intensity and, and the fever that we see today. And, and you said at some point we're all free traders. Um, just your thoughts just on the evolution of the, in this country from that election in 1988 to the rally around the flag to save NAFTA with the Donald Trump presidency that you saw, the divisions that had existed uh, when your political career began uh, seem to have largely gone away to very much a unity of national purpose to hold on to what was the decisive issue in a contentious election. Well, he, we'd had a very successful experience, I'd say, with uh, the Canada-U.S. free trade agreement and then NAFTA. It came into effect in 1989. Um, and... and, and the beginning was a bit rocky, 
But after the recession in nineteen in the early nineties, um, we saw uh, the U.S. economy grow, and we saw the Canadian economy grow in lockstep with it. The trade agreement was working for us, as it did with ultimately in NAFTA with Mexico, which we came to be aware was, you know, it was a it was an emerging economy for sure, but it had a middle class the size of the total population of Canada. So Canadian businesses began to discover that. They didn't. They they could they could actually succeed in these markets, and I think, uh, you know, I think there's still farther for us to go. Uh, there's there's there there are always issues um, on the on the border with trade, but uh, I think we've increasingly become conscious as a country of the fact that much of our prosperity depends on our ready and open access to that massive market that's so close to us. So. I, I think I think we we evolved as a country. We evolved from being rather protectionist and the and and nationalist in the '60s to much more internationalist by the time we got to the '90s and 2000s. John Manley, uh, former Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, thank you so much. I can hear your phone going off. Uh, your man in demand on a day like this. Thank you so much uh, for taking our call today and speaking with us on the passing of Brian Mulroney. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. And just to let you at home know what's happening here, uh, this is Power and Politics. I'm David Cochran. We are extending the show for at least one hour up until 8 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, We're expecting to hear from former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien and hoping to hear from current Prime Minister uh, Justin Trudeau and, of course, reaching out uh, to many people uh, for their reaction uh, on the the, the sad news of the passing of uh, Brian Mulroney, the 18th Prime Minister of Canada. His death announced today. On February 29th, uh, a, a rare day and a historic day um, on the passing of one of Canada's uh, most successful prime ministers. I'm going to bring in Rob, Ru- bring back Rob Russo, uh, former parliamentary bureau chief here at the CBC. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on what we just heard from John Manley and, and what we've been hearing in terms of response to the passing of Mr. Mulroney? I'm, I'm struck by one thing in particular, the, the personal nature of reaching out that Mr. Manley um, uh, addressed. And it reminds me of the the first uh, savage stiletto of St. John's before you became the stiletto <laughs> of St. John's, David, was a, was a man named John Crosby. Uh, and he was considered the toughest guy to try and take on in question period. And Paul Manley, newly elected in 1988, uh, rises to ask his first question and uh, and gets savaged by, by Mr. Crosby, uh, and which was a bit of a come down because uh, Paul Martin was a star in the making and a future prime minister. He, shortly thereafter, as he was licking his wounds, got a personalized note to saying, not a bad start, but stay away from Crosby. He'll murder you. Uh, <laughs> yours, you know, Brian, Brian Mulroney. And he wasn't, he wasn't wrong. And, and, and so what did he do? He, he uh, invested in relationships, which was critical to his political success. Mr. Manley also talked about the influence he had in the Oval Office. The people around uh, br- uh, around Ronald Reagan, uh, the, the people around George H.W. Bush tried unsuccessfully to advance their country's interests in the face of the relentless charm of Brian Mulroney, who had the people convinced uh, Mr. Reagan and Mr. Bush, the presidents, that it was in their interest to do something for Brian. We have to do something for Brian, Ronald Reagan would say. I- I'm hearing from old friends as well. One of them is Keith Bogue, who went aboard um, uh, a mock-up of Air Force One and um, uh, in the Reagan Library, and he says that there were only two pictures 
that were not of, of the Reagan family in the mock-up. And one of them was of the Pope, and the other one was of Brian Mulroney. Uh, so so uh, that, that's the pantheon. Uh, but there, there is something also tragic about that, in that some of the investments he made in, the, in relationships, those intense relationships, were Shakespearean in, in, in the way they turn. And I'm thinking of Lucien Bouchard, yeah. his best friend, his school chum. Uh, the man who I believe is godfather to Caroline Mulroney. Uh, in the end, uh, Mr. Bouchard turned on him uh, and created the Bloc Québécois, sunk his party, sunk his party in Quebec, sunk his party across the country. And we can only imagine the wound that that left because he did invest uh, in, in these kinds of relationships with people across the aisle, across the border, everywhere. Yeah, uh, you mentioned John Crosby. He was my MP, and I remember watching uh, Brian Mulroney give his eulogy. And as John Manley talked about, um, you know, he 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 he's so good at this. Like Aaron, like his his oratorial skill, oratory skills were remarkable. But on moments uh, like sad ones, like today, he was the guy a lot of people turn to, like uh, Ronald Reagan, George uh, W. Bush. He did it for Joey Smallwood, the last living father of Confederation, when Joey Smallwood passed away, and, and was uh, his funeral service was held in the Basilica of St. John the Baptist in St. John's. Like he was so good at this because of that personal connection that people have been talking about, his ability to connect to the moment. Yeah, it's a pretty rare political skill, really. I mean, yeah. you think of our uh, even just of our prime ministers; not all of them have been the friendliest people. Uh, you know, some of them have been very talented politicians. Some of them have been very successful, but not all of them were charmers necessarily. Uh, and I think so. I think that was part of. Uh, uh, what may end up lasting for Brian Mulroney. I think the other, you know, look, the, the, the PC party never really recovered from that defeat in 1993. Uh, Brian Mulroney was hounded out of office with record low uh, popularity. He ended up having to, you know, come back to Parliament Hill to deal with the Carl Hahn Schreiber affair. Mm -hmm. uh, his record, you know, wasn't just driven, his popularity wasn't driven just low by his policy choices, but by ethical scandals in the government. Uh, but his bet, I think, was I'm going to be remembered for the big things I tried to do and that I pulled off. Yep. Uh, you know, some of those big things did not work out quite famously. Uh, but I think his bet was uh, these are the big things that are going to work and that, you know, t at moments like this, when people are on CBC trying to figure out how, what my legacy was, they'll look at those big things. I think to a certain extent, I wonder whether there was a certain kinship between uh, Mr. Mulroney and our current prime minister, because they both kind of have that love of uh, that interest in being known for trying to do big things. Swing for the fences type and, agendas. Yeah, and that, you know, time will, will reflect uh, well on them. But I think that was a big part of Brian Mulroney's look at, at his own legacy and what he, was, what he was trying to achieve with his time in office. I, I was going to say, if, if you've managed to read his book... Um, <laughs> And I say that because it's extremely thick. Yep. So I, I recognize that not everyone will have read it. it you, you, you can tell, too, that he um, that, that that's what he was motivated by. Yes, public service and the good of the country, but also by what he was going to leave behind. And so I'll just bring up again, because I was just reminding myself of some of the moments around South Africa, um, which which was important because at the time, so it was 85, um, and Brian Mulroney, as a member of the Commonwealth, was pushing for sanctions against South Africa to try and serve notice that apartheid was not acceptable mm. to countries. And he did that uh, 
you know, as we're talking about the friends he had, the friends that he also had to sometimes disagree with, he did that. Um, even though Margaret Thatcher disagreed with him, right. Ronald Reagan disagreed with him, and he pushed forward on that then at the United Nations in spite of all of that. And that that allowed him to, to uh, say he was on the right side of history. More than that, it got him a friendship with Nelson Mandela <laughs> that um, started the moment Mandela left prison and and then eventually came to Canada. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that he would reflect on as huge turning points for him personally. But it also, um, in some ways, put Canada on the map, I think, in a different way than it had before. Instead of being a soft power, a middle power, someone who is just sort of watching things unfold. I think that moment in particular uh, sort of demonstrated that you could take opposing views to the United Kingdom and to the U.S. and still make the right decision and still come out uh, on the right side of things because eventually everyone would get there. I just want to say one thing, too, about um, his his family, because I I do know that this past year, they he and his wife, uh, Mila Mulroney, who uh, they married, in 1973 when she was uh, 19. I hope she won't mind me saying that. And I know that this past summer they did manage to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversary. So he had uh, also a profound uh, love of his family, of his Mm -hmm. uh, children, his four children, his many, many grandchildren, and uh, Milo Mulroney, who was by his side through uh, difficult, challenging moments and exciting, uh, glamorous ones as well. Okay, um, thank you, Rosie. Uh, it's our chief political sports correspondent, Rosemary Barton. We're going to stay on this breaking story because we learned this hour that the Right Honorable Brian Mulroney has died. Mulroney served as the 18th Prime Minister of Canada. He was 84 years old. His daughter, Caroline Mulroney, shared the news on X, formerly Twitter. She wrote, On behalf of my mother and our family, it is with great sadness we announce the passing of my father, the Right Honorable Brian Mulroney, Canada's 18th Prime Minister. He died peacefully, surrounded by family. We're also getting other reaction from across Canada. Justin Trudeau says this, Brian Mulroney loved Canada. I'm devastated to learn of his passing. He never stopped working for Canadians, and he always sought to make this country an even better place to call home. I'll never forget the insights he shared with me over the years. He was generous, tireless, and incredibly passionate. And as we mourn his passing and keep his family and friends in our thoughts, let us also acknowledge and celebrate Mr. Mulroney's role in building the modern, dynamic, and prosperous country we all know today. Okay, James Moore is going to join us now, former uh, Conservative Cabinet Minister. Uh, James, we were speaking in a very different uh, tone and set of topics earlier uh, on Power and Politics on the Power Panel. What was your what was your reaction when you heard this news? What are your thoughts uh, on, on the passing of Mr. Mulroney? Of course, very sad. Um, you know, Prime Minister Mulroney's uh, contributions to Canada are long and deep, and he had many contributions to the country outside of his time serving as the Prime Minister of Canada. When I had the privilege of being in politics and in government, I remember there are two things that struck me, that he gave us constant reminders as a country, whether there was a conservative government or a liberal government. There are two big relationships that are incredibly important to Canada that he helped foster and remind people all the time that need to be at the forefront in your North Star as the Prime Minister and the government of Canada. One, of course, is the Canada-U.S. relationship. You know, he built the the free trade agreement with the United States that was broadened later into NAFTA. He was called back by Minister Freeland and Prime Minister Trudeau to uh, to help contribute to the renegotiations of the new NAFTA. But I think maybe even a bigger contribution than that is his 
it was his constant, frankly, lifelong reminder to politicians who come from different political parties from all across this massive country of Canada, the second largest country in the world in size, 37th largest in terms of population, and people from small and large communities all across the country. You get elected to Ottawa, and you go to Ottawa, and you fight for your community. What Brian Mulroney always reminded us, uh, all of us, is that we have an we have an unfinished project, which is the fragility of Canada and the number one obligation of the prime minister of this country is national unity and to focus on national unity. And and he had his mistakes and he had his successes as, as prime minister. But very often we get into sort of small P provincial politics, big P provincial politics, regional politics, ideological politics. But national unity is something that doesn't cut across simple left-right axis. It doesn't cut across, you know, red team, blue team, orange team, green team, um, you know, ideological party politics axes. It requires empathy it requires a deliberate and constant effort to understand other parts of the country, not just the community that you were elected in to serve and to try to get more for your, your, your people back home, but to try to genuinely try to understand other parts of the country and to make the country more united. Because Canada, from its founding, whether it's Indigenous Canadians and English versus French, uh, you know, uh, East versus West, Catholic versus Protestant in the early days, you know, we have all kinds of tensions, urban, suburban, rural, new Canadians versus multi-generational Canadians. We have lots of tensions in this country, and it requires a persistent commitment to national unity to fight through those things. And you fight through those things by by having a relentless energy towards empathy and trying to understand other parts of the country. And that's, and that's a value and an emphasis that he always uh, put in his speeches. It's something that he said to liberal audiences, to conservative audiences, to all Canadians. And I think that's one of the most important things that anybody who aspires to be prime minister should hold very close to their heart. The economy can go up, the economy can go down, you'll face lots of challenges, but you need to keep the country united in, in all at all times as your North Star. And and I think that's a lasting contribution that, that other generations will have to pick up the torch now and carry. Well, and James, there's a great lesson in the challenge of making that your focus, as Mr. Mulroney did, right, through Meech Lake and through Charlottetown and his efforts, uh, uh, you know, to, to settle the constitutional questions. The backlash against that, it speaks to the fragility that you were highlighting, right? Like, it, you know, the, the creation of the Bloc Québécois with its falling out with Lucien Bouchard and then ultimately the the, unit, uh, the Quebec secession referendum uh, many years later, uh, it, it, was, it was a priority for him and it was a big agenda item for him and he took big swings at it. And the, but the, the fallout shows the fragility and the challenges of, of, the, of the point that you're making there. He, he aspired to have the legacy of Meech as, as almost a, a repair of the Je me souviens that's on the Quebec mm-hmm. license that's now. And, and that was his effort. That was his worldview and pan-Canadian view. Unsuccessful with Meech. Tried to go directly to Canadians and make the appeal through Charlottetown. Again, imperfect. Lots of debate. We can, you know, political science textbooks are filled with all the debates that happened then and continue through until today. But but his, his aspiration was genuine. His aspiration was patriotic. His aspiration was based on unity. Um, and, you know, and, and I think he's to be commended for that. And again, lots of things can be debated about the tactics and the substance of those agreements. But but he was a true, genuine Canadian patriot um, who who grew up um, fighting good fights for the country, uh, whether it was fighting against, again, apartheid in South Africa, acid rain treaty with the United States, free trade agreement, which opened up a country then of about 25 million Canadians to 300 million person U.S. market, uh, creating jobs uh, across Canada through world sales of Canadian goods and products. Like he, he, had a, he had a true vision for 
Canada and its place in the world, and while at the same time pulling the country together, united, and and getting to and encouraging Canadians to get to know each other better than they otherwise would, and so that um, that that's something that I'll always remember about mm-hmm. his legacy is that is the aspiration that we all focus on unity, especially those of us who are privileged to have been in office and to be in government. Well, and James, uh, the, the focus on unity. He answered the call when Justin Trudeau reached out uh, to seek his help uh, on on the NAFTA renegotiations with uh, U.S. President Donald Trump. You also answered that call as a member of the NAFTA Council. Uh, what, what can you tell us about the role Mr. Mulroney and his inputs and his advice might have played in that and, and what interactions you might have had and just how that worked, right, that coming together uh, as a country across all partisan stripes to, to hold on to that trade agreement? Well, I mean, you'll, you'll notice on social media that was the that was the number one thing that uh, Deputy Prime Minister Freeland mentioned is that his his contributions uh, to NAFTA. Um, no, and, and that's a, a fundamental relationship. You know, one in four, one in five, thereabouts Canadian jobs are directly related to the Canada-U.S. Uh, relationship. And when you face an existential threat of a president in the form of Donald Trump, who says he wants to abrogate NAFTA and then cuts a side deal with Mexico as a squeeze play on Canada, and again, again, in the future, lots will be talked about in those negotiations of what went right, what went wrong. But at the end of the day, when the prime minister of the country, whether it's a liberal prime minister or a blue, and he's Brian Mulroney spent, you know, decades, probably one would say of his life fighting against the Trudeau family and fighting against their vision of yeah. what Canada should look like and, and, and all that. But when Justin Trudeau calls, he is the prime minister of the country. And you answer the call just by the way. John Manley answered the call when Stephen Harper called him and asked him to contribute to the Afghanistan panel. Like big Canadians uh, who have a vision for the country go beyond partisanship who can who can put the country first uh, those are very special people and who have that lens of history and the perspective of what's needed to move forward are uh, are true statesmen brown maroney was a true statesman and, and james this is a final point he had that rare political skill that he answered the call of justin trudeau and was able to have a good relationship with a much younger and very different prime minister than he was and also be a bridge with donald trump i mean that is those are two very different <laughs> types of people and types of personalities and types of worldviews to be able to be a bridge between and to navigate there, there are not many people who have the, the stature uh, and reputational profile of Brian Mulroney who could could call Prime Minister Trudeau and I, I imagine Prime Minister Trudeau would say, Brian, how are you? And then five minutes later, phone the White House and have President Donald Trump say, Brian, how are you? Yeah. But that's the that's the breadth of his capacity to build personal relationships on which um, policy relationships and longstanding commitments for the benefit of the country can be made. And, and again, that's, that's a rare talent, but an exceptional one, an exceptional one that he had. James Moore, uh, former conservative cabinet minister, thanks for coming back for a second time on the show today. Uh, we appreciate you, you taking our call uh, on a breaking news moment. Thank you so much. That's James Moore, former conservative cabinet minister. Uh, Rosie, our, our chief political correspondent, Rosemary Barton, is here. And I'll just let you know what's going on, folks. Uh, Brian Mulroney uh, passed away today on February 29th, 2024. He was 84 years old, just uh, 20 days shy uh, or so of his uh, 85th birthday. We're staying on the air until 8 o'clock. We're standing by to wait to hear from former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, who's going to speak uh, to reporters on Parliament Hill any minute now. So, Rosie, I'm going to bring you in. I want to pick up on something that actually John Manley said, mm. that he considered Brian Mulroney a political opponent, not a political enemy. And uh, I don't know if we see that <laughs> in politics today. But, you know, we talk about Brian Mulroney's ability to reach across the aisle and, you know, and, and connect with people. Uh, just on that point, that, that, that there was a personal connection with people who even tried to defeat him. 
Yeah, and I think that's why he was so determined to get on the phone with you that day and talk about Ed Broadbent, yeah. because that's how he viewed yeah. Ed Broadbent, not as an enemy, as a as a fierce opponent who just believed in different things. Um, and and I, I I think that speaks to his time for sure. I, I think it is much harder to find uh, nowadays. But I also think it speaks to his understanding of what politics is and was and should be, and, and that is. Um, uh, uh, you know, a, a comparison of different points of view for the direction mm-hmm. of the country mm-hmm. and everyone agreeing that everyone is doing their best to improve things. And some of those um, points of view that he had, as we've been talking about, were very, made people very, very angry. Yeah. Ed Broadbent was one of the people who was very angry um, with with some of his points of view. And, and, and NAFTA, let's remember, um, really broke apart the country in, in some really serious ways. People were very, um, very angry that Brian Mulroney uh, was doing this and, and thought it was going to cause all sorts of problems for labor and, and companies and and things that they couldn't even imagine, right? Right. Um, but in, in spite of that, I think he was always able to understand what he was doing and, frankly, the job that he had, which was to try and make the best decisions for country, the country at the time and, and lead the country in a particular direction. That, that's not to say that he wasn't partisan, right? He was, he was deeply uh, conservative, uh, fiscally conservative and, and a whole bunch of other issues as well, uh, and believed in, in, in the ideology b- behind the party that, that he was leading. But I think partisanship for him was not... Um, did not sit in personal attacks and empty rhetoric. Mm-hmm. It sat in um, uh, criticizing real ideas and sometimes doing it with a little bit of a twist. A little bit of a twist of the knife is about as far as I would yeah. say, right? <laughs> like he knew how to, you, you talk about his oratory skills, they were just as good at leaning in at someone yeah. if needed. But, but yeah, a, a completely different kind of politician than where we are now. Um, and that's no offense to <laughs> the current p- political figures out there. Yep. But it was, um, I, I think, just a different understanding of, of how you had to work to get things done. Okay, uh, we've just been given the one-minute warning uh, for Jean Chrétien, the former uh, Prime Minister of Canada, who's going to react uh, to the news of the passing of Brian Mulroney, um, his his opponent, his predecessor uh, in the job. Uh, reporters, I'm just looking at an image there in the we have a television screen up here that shows me other images that you can't see. Reporters have gathered at, at the microphone where you normally see uh, the politicians uh, scrumming uh, and answering questions before and after question period. There you go. There it is. Uh, outside the House of Commons. Um, but Jean Chrétien, obviously, given his status and his stature, is being given the opportunity to go to that microphone today to respond to the passing of Brian Mulroney. So I, I'm going to tempt a little bit of fate here and bring in Aaron to ask him uh, for his thoughts on things. Uh, with the warning, Aaron, worry that I may have to interrupt you for Mr. Chrétien. Uh, James Morris points that Brian already kept two things at, at the center of his political approach, the Canada-U.S. relationship and national unity as the defining focus of his philosophy. What are what your thoughts on what James Moore had to say? Yeah, I think to a certain extent we're on the national unity front. I think we're uh, so far past the last referendum that the national the idea of national unity and that it being a going concern can almost be forgotten. It's now almost more in terms, at least under the current prime minister, Concerns are more about uh, the West. Yeah. But I think the idea that national unity is a sort of preeminent concern for prime ministers uh, is an important point to make. And it's sometimes lost that that's really your ultimate task and that the right. 
the unity of this country has not always been uh, super secure in the past. No, on a day where Saskatchewan has said it's going to defy federal law and not remit and collect the carbon tax, uh, it's certainly uh, a reminder. And here is Jean Chrétien, who has some experience with National Media himself as Prime Minister. C'est une journée triste, le départ de Brian Mulroney. He was Prime Minister for too long term, and uh, I was an opponent of him all my political career. But in politics, opposition is opposition. It's like playing hockey. You can fight on the ice, but have a beer together after that. And we had a lot of things in common. Il était de Bécamo. He was from Shawinigan. J'étais de Shawinigan. I was from Shawinigan. J'ai étudié à Laval. I studied at Laval. étudié à Laval. And he studied at Laval University. Il a été impliqué dans la politique toute sa vie. He was involved Pas in politics all his life. Comme moi, Not always as an MP like me, but in the background. Dans l'organisation du parti. Et il a fait sa marque comme premier ministre. Il a aucun he doute. left a mark as prime minister. Nous n'étions pas toujours d'accord. We évident. weren't always in agreement. On était souvent d'accord. But we were often in agreement. Il croyait comme moi au Canada. He believed in me like Canada. Il était fédéraliste. He was a federalist. Pour maintenir l'unité, on avait des méthodes peut-être différentes, mais le but était le même. We had different steps to take, but our goals were the same about Canada. He was involved in many controversial files. And it's better to be involved than not to be involved. Many times we did not agree, but in reality, in three different referendums, we were on the same side. So he had a very good political career, and he had a very good personal life. You know, Mila and him had a great family, all successful kids, and he was a family man. He was himself from a minority. He was Anglo in Quebec, while I was Franco in the rest of the land. And, you know, but it was possible coming from rural Quebec to move up the ladder to be Prime Minister of Canada, as he was, very successful one. And uh, I would like to offer to him and his family my most sincere condolences, and they can be proud of their father. conservateur. <laughs> Particulièrement au Québec. He uh, helped revive the, party, party, the Conservative Party. It didn't exist in Quebec before Et, him. Je pense que la plupart de ses amis votaient libéral au fédéral. Most of his friends voted liberal, federally. Même on en a discuté à quelques reprises. And we talked about that sometimes. Il a fait dernièrement durant sa maladie. In fact, we talked about that while he was sick. I called him, as I was to have. And I joke that we were both from rural Quebec. And that we both had gone through changes. And he said, no, no, my dad was a liberal in Bécomo. And he said, oh, well, my dad was a liberal in Shawinigan. We shouldn't be worried about what we leave as a mark in history. La marque dans l'histoire, c'est ce que Our vous mark in history is what we did. Et sera jugé. And that will be judged. For me, you know, I'm 
People ask me what I'd like to be remembered, and we should not worry about it. History will write what we've done. And we should not worry about it. Anyway, we'll not be able to read about it. Sir, can I ask you what it was like? You faced him a sort of length away in the Commons for so many years as opposition leader. What was that like back then? He, he was the great, one of the greatest orators that we had in recent memory. Yeah, but we had fun. We would tease each other. He would poke fun at me, I would poke fun at him. And, uh, you know, we will, uh, you know, as I say, it is, we have to take, not to take ourselves too seriously. We have to take the job very seriously. But life is life, and we all do our best. We can disagree what is the best for you and the best for him. And it was not difficult. I never had very bitter this personal discussion with him. Sir, what was his adversaire for you, Mr. Oh, well, we didn't choose our adversaries. I loved him as adversaire. I didn't have an adversary, but I did do an election with him. I think that his chagrin is the mine. Probably we would have liked both of them. We would have liked to fight one another in an election. Et, euh, mais l'histoire a voulu qu'il qu quitte. Wanted, Et euh, that he was il n'a pas fait l'élection en 1993 contre moi. Et il n'a pas fait ça en 1993. Il aurait gagné le débat des chefs. On ne sait pas, le débat des chefs, c'est lui qui est le premier ministre, ra gagne rarement. Le premier ministre rarement gagne. Ce n'est pas très important. Il s'agit de ne pas faire... Une bêtise, c'est ça qui est important. You have to make sure just not to make a mistake. You described it how how on the ice you were opponents, but off the ice you could have a beer. As somebody who was on the opposite side of the House of Commons, what do you think are his most strong achievements as Prime Minister? For him? What do you as a Liberal celebrate in what he achieved? Oh, but I said that earlier, you know. He took the Conservative Party in very bad shape. You know, they had not been in government since in the 30s. And he built it back. But his greatest success was to break in Quebec. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it was his argument when he ran. And it turned out to be right. And when he managed to have a good hole in Quebec, you know, it was easy in the rest of the country. I talked on him on the phone the last few months, a few times. Physically, I don't remember exactly. Do you remember what you chatted about with him on the phone? Well, about his health and his, um, his mood and, you know, I was patting his back. And we tend, when we talk privately like that, to, to talk about memories that we share. And as I said earlier, we had many coming from both from rural Quebec, and it was a minority in Quebec on the phone, and I was a minority in Canada, and we were, were teasing each other and so on. Of course, we had terrible disagreement, but it is part of the game. We should not get upset about it. You know, we have the right to disagree, and disagreements were numerous, but agreements were there. At important times too. Oh, I don't know. You know, I don't want to go into that. Like, <laughs> I, 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 
uh, that he was uh, an important prime minister at a very difficult time in the country. Uh, you know, I, some of the problem that existed, you know, we don't agree on the solution, but uh, he was doing his best and I was doing my best on the other side. Ben, il représentait You know, in many of these files, we had disagreements, and you have only to check. And uh, but he was doing what he thought was right. I had disagreement with him. It was this is very well documented, and that. Uh, but uh, you know, he wanted to be extremely close to the Americans, and I tended to take my distance. And but you can argue at no museum about it. He's done his best in what he believed was, was the right for Canada. I must ask you too, he, he spent a lot and then you spent what? about, he, he spent a lot as a government and then you spent about 10 years trying to reduce the debt that came up from his government with all the... But I succeeded. What else you want? I reduced the deficit. And uh, no, everybody predicted I could not do it. And it was done in three years and a half, and we became the example of the world. And we went back in debt with the conservatives. We had nine major uh, surpluses after, with me there seven years and after I left. So it's a great success for me. And it was, you know, I don't want to go into detail of that. I'm here to pay respect to the passing of Brian Maroney who served the country well, and I want to offer my sincere condolence to his beautiful family. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, That is former Liberal Prime Minister Jean Chrétien, a Liberal Prime Minister from Shawinigan, Quebec, uh, reflecting on the passing of a progressive conservative Prime Minister from Bay Como, Quebec. A man who Jean Chrétien says was his political opponent for pretty much his entire political career, but said it was like hockey, that you could fight on the ice and have a beer afterwards saying that Brian Mulroney was involved in many controversial files, but it is better to be involved in, than not involved. And saying what is probably the best thing you can say on a day like this, that when a man has passed away, that his family can be proud of their father. David McLaughlin uh, joins us now. He was Brian Mulroney's chief of staff for a period of time in the 1990s. Uh, David, I'm sorry uh, for your loss on, on a day like this. Thank, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the passing of the former prime minister? Well, uh Thinking about my time with him, obviously, and the things that we did together and the amazing opportunity he gave me as a young political staffer to be part of his office and, and to help him in a modest way on the things that he was trying to do for the country. He appointed me as chief of staff at the point I was the youngest chief of staff ever at the, at the time. It was for a brief period, but it was momentous for me. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, that, as I say, that Brian Mulroney gave, uh, 
gave many chances to uh, uh, young conservatives at the time to participate. And so I'm obviously thinking about that. But most of all, I'm thinking about what he meant for the country. Mm. This was a prime minister, David, who strove for big things. I mean, he wanted big things for the country. He was not a small thinker by any means. Uh, Sure, he was politically, uh, you know, political tactician and all that. And there's lots of controversies and lots of things that he was, uh, you know, he and his government uh, had to deal with. But ultimately, big things. And I think that'll be his legacy. Free trade, um, uh, uh, the climate change in the environment. He went to the Rio Earth Summit and 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 led the charge that helped bring the United States into the biodiversity agreement at the time. That helped create the foundation for the for the what has now become the Conference of the Parties COP and climate change action around the world so desperately needed. And he was a uh, a big voice on the international scene. And so, you know, uh, one of the things I got to do with him uh, uh, was I did all the foreign travel with him as a sort of the senior staffer. And it was amazing that, you know, for, to get that opportunity. I, I met prime ministers and presidents, uh, Nelson Mandela, that we're in the Kremlin you know, with an event for Boris Yeltsin and beautiful frescoes and a lovely building. And, you know, we're in the Kremlin and we're in the receiving line. I go, you know, I have to shake his hand on the way by and he leans over and says in that, you know, inevitable, (laughs) that baritone of Brian Mulroney, you've come a long way from New Brunswick, haven't you, Dave? (laughs) So, you know, this was like, it, it was just, it was in many ways a joy to be with him but always conscious of here was a prime minister who was really trying to do big things. Some things didn't work out, the constitution, that, but I was just, I was proud. I'm even more proud now when I think about proud to have had the chance and proud of what he tried to do. Well, to be fair, he'd come a long way from central Nova, you know, that by-election he won in Nova Scotia to get into that house of Commons. Absolutely. He knew, he knew of what he spoke for sure. So, so David, you you said he gave a lot of opportunities uh, to young staffers and you were a young chief of staff uh, when when he tapped you for that job. How did you first come to know Brian Mulroney? How did you first meet him? What, what, what can you uh, tell us about that? Uh, through the 1983 leadership process. And, and you know, that was before there was uh, any kind of social media or something, you know, fax. Uh, I'm not even certain fax machines were invented then, to be honest. But so he reached out by phone. I remember he, I was a delegate out of New Brunswick, and I was also head of the PC Youth, which meant I controlled mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a number of delegates. So I, I had some, you know, I had some get, as they say in the business. So he reached out literally five times to convince me to join his team. And I ended up spending an hour and a half with him in a camper van, of all things, an RV, uh, driving from St. John to Fredericton for an event. And by the time, you know, met him in St. John, by the time we, we stopped and parked in, in Fredericton, I had signed up. So that commitment of time and focus, like he made you feel like the most important person in the in, in the room. He got that. Mm-hmm. And and so we joined uh, and I helped him in, a, in a, uh, whatever I could and won the leadership. And then eventually I moved to Ottawa and, and helped out in government. And the rest is, uh, at least for me anyways, is history. <laughs> Maybe not for him, but it was for me. Well, but I mean, all these years later, you remember how many times he reached out to you. You remember that conversation. You remember how he oh, my, convinced my. you and connected with you. And this is this is a common theme, uh, David, in all of the conversations is that deep personal connection. And, and you were there as chief of staff sort of in in some of the darker times uh, for for the government, and, and this is something that served him very well. His ability to reach out to people and connect with people. What did you see when you're in the office? His ability to just keep everyone together. He he worked at it. To be honest, David, like he he worked the phones like like crazy because that was you know the vehicle that was the the device. And and um, I would get home and and literally around nine o'clock every night the phone would ring. 
And uh, the prime minister, you know, prime minister's office saying, Mr. McLaughlin, yes, uh, prime minister's office here. The prime minister would like to speak with you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, anytime. <laughs> Took the call and it would be, so what's going on? And it was just like an opening thing. And he 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 would listen. Didn't always like engage in, in terms of like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And all this. He wanted to get information. And after I'm sure after he finished with me, he went on to the next person. He wanted to like he worked assiduously to know what was going on, to understand and connect that up. And and in the process, he always asked, how are you? How's the family? Uh, these kinds of things. And so in that very dark period to say, you know, politically for government, when you're very unpopular, you know, unpopular government, sometimes, you know, these, these things happen. The caucus was extraordinarily supportive of Brian Mulroney as prime minister. And the reason being is that they saw that good side of him, that personal side of him. And he would talk, reach out, call people. How's the family? What's going on? If there was a death in the family or sickness and that he put stuff aside to speak with them as a human being, as a person. And so, uh, you know, uh, there was no trained SEALs caucus members just for votes. It was very much a family thing. And and uh, for political staff, it was the same. We, I was on a trip with him in, in London. I had a very bad cough and hacking away and that. And that. And uh, I had to go brief him on something in the, in, in the in a suite in the room, and so he and Mrs. Mulroney, Mila, were, were there, both in their house coats, and I was coughing, and, and she <laughs> said, "Stop it, come into the bathroom," and she fed me Buckley's cough syrup, which really is as bad as it sounds. It tastes and, awful, so, but it works. Oh, yeah. it does. Yeah. It, it worked, right? <laughs> and so uh, you know that was the kind of thing, and you know you will do this. And she said, "Like Brian, stop it. Like you know, stop talking to David. David needs to take some cough syrup." So. You know, well, fine. And we, we always love traveling with Mrs. Mulroney because, of course, it softened him a little bit. He made him a little easier to deal with. He was a little less in- intense. I mean, all of those things were very, uh, very memorable moments uh, on that. But he was always on. He carried the country proudly. He he tried, you know, people made, they talked about the media and others, you know, made fun of or, and challenged him. And like, he was always the way he dressed and everything. You know, he was always too elegant or something or too well made up. And it he thought very strongly, I'm representing Canada and I have to look my best. I need to do hmm. this. And, 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 and that conveyed down. The rest of us in the, in the office were very proud about that, as I'm sure other staff are with other prime ministers. It's a unique piece of it. But at the end of the day, it was really about what he did for the country. And we felt if we were helping in that way... Uh, on big issues, what a chance to deal with big issues. So I worked on NAFTA, I worked on on free trade, I, you know, I, I worked on the Constitution, uh, budgets and throne speeches, and you know, we had a chance. He gave us a chance to do that. It was it was it was a hell of a ride. <laughs> it was just a hell of a ride. It was a hell of a ride. Uh, David McLaughlin, thanks so much uh, for taking our call, and, and and please accept our condolences on the loss of of your friend and mentor Brian Morgan. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to get reaction now from uh, Peter McKay, former federal progressive conservative leader, former federal conservative cabinet minister. And uh, Peter McKay, I'm looking at the history of people who have held the riding of Central Nova in the House of Commons. You're there. Your dad is there. And sandwiched in between two stints by your father is Brian Mulroney in Central Nova. What are your thoughts on a day like this? Well, I think as so many people have put it, uh, Mr. Mulroney invested in people. You know, it was his humanity. He lived and breathed politics, as others have have alluded to, including John Manley. But uh, he really uh, invested in people and knew that that was the very essence of politics. And sure, he has deep roots connections to Nova Scotia here in Central Nova and Pictou County, but also in Antigonish, where he he spent some of his formative years at St. Francis Xavier University. He never forgot that, the Brian Mulroney Institute, 
is a, is a living uh, legacy that uh, that he leaves. And uh, he really, you know, began arguably much of his political uh, ascendancy here in Nova Scotia. I was speaking with my father tonight, and, and he was reflective, of course, and very pensive. But he was talking about what an influence uh, John Diefenbaker had been on Brian Mulroney and that uh, Brian had told him one time of getting a phone call at his dorm in Antigonish uh, from then Prime Minister John Diefenbaker. And so his legacy, his connectivity to so many different parts of the country, and parts of the world, uh, really is, is quite astounding. Uh, even for a Prime Minister of Canada, he leaves a massive, massive mark and influence and legacy behind. In 1983, your father gave up his seat so Brian Mulroney can run in Central Nova uh, to get into the House of Commons uh, to, to begin his path to becoming the Prime Minister. Do you remember, what do you remember about that point in time? I think you would have been like a teenager right around then, right? Well, what, what do you remember about your father stepping down for Brian Mulroney in Central Nova? David, I, I remember that by-election well in 1983. It was really the first kind of brush with politics that I'd had, although I, you know, of course, vicariously through my dad, been around politics for longer, but that was a big deal. And, and that by-election, I, I remember well, I was 17 years old. I, I just got my driver's license shortly before that, and I was Mila's driver. <laughs> and uh, I would often take her to the events after my father and Mr. Mulroney had left to, to go and, and to be there early. And I would take uh, Mrs. Mulroney and, and Bonnie Brownlee to some of these events. And I, I one time... Uh, told Ben about this and said, Ben, you know, I would always somehow, wherever we were going, drive by the high school with the windows down in this big black car that they were using for the campaign. And I told them I was the original Canadian Idol. And it was, <laughs> uh, it was a very exciting time, to say the least, uh, for many people, in including our family. When Mr. Mulroney came here, he stayed at Picto Lodge. Mm -hmm. um, I got to know his kids at that time at a very, a very early age. And uh, so our, our families were close, remain close. And it's, it's a very poignant time, to say the least, uh, to be saying goodbye. But uh, my goodness, again, I come back to the incredible policy and, uh, and leadership and demonstrative love and patriotism that Mr. Mulroney had as a Canadian. And uh, really... That impact was uh, was felt and reverberated around the world when he was prime minister. Just as a, a final point, uh, Peter McKay, we, we've been asking people about their thoughts on, on the legacy Brian Mulroney left behind. Mm -hmm. They touch on free trade. They touch on apartheid. They touch on his work on, on acid rain and climate. Uh, how do you assess it and uh, from a political perspective and, and from a, a personal uh, perspective? Well, David, it's hard to encapsulate in, in a few words, but he, he certainly, all of those policy implementations that were not easy, that were bold, that were forward-looking, that, as he would say himself, were not made for tomorrow's headlines, but for the good of the country in decades. And he, he also, I think, was able to shape uh, many things, apartheid quite particularly, in ending the apartheid regime in South Africa because of his reputation and his persuasiveness, uh, speaking to people like Margaret Thatcher and telling her she'd be on the wrong side of history, and, and Ronald Reagan, the same, and bringing the President of the United States, first uh, George Bush Sr., to, uh, to the free trade agreement, uh, acid rain, water, all of those things that he cared about in the environment. So many different aspects to this man and his leadership, but really it was his personality and his care uh, that he uh, wore on his sleeve 
for people, for his country, and first and foremost for his family. But he would very spontaneously call people, um, as previous speakers have said, uh, you know, if they had suffered a loss or if they were celebrating the birth of a child. And, and that has certainly been true throughout my life. Um, and, and that's very much the part that that people will miss because he was so incredible at uh, at being present in their lives. I spoke to him Tuesday and uh, mm. I must say it, it was a very foreboding call. And, and so I'll miss him. I, I, I miss him deeply tonight. I, I understand if you can't tell us anything about that call, but is there anything you can share about that? And I understand it, it may have been very intimate and personal and it's okay if, if you can't. Well, David, I'll, I'll just, I'll put it this way. I, I said some things to him that I, I wanted to say, and I felt that I should say, given sort of what, what I, I felt he was going through. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that call. All right. Well, Peter McKay, we're grateful for you taking our call and coming on today. Uh, we're very sorry for your loss. That's Peter McKay, former uh, federal conservative leader and former federal cabinet minister. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. All right, I got to bring back uh, Rob Russo. Rob, I have neglected you for far too long. I apologize. Uh, it's, just, it's one of those things we're trying to get everybody in that we can. Uh, just uh, what are your thoughts on, on everything we've heard uh, in the last little while? Well, uh, a, a couple of things uh, that that, uh, that uh, Peter McKay talked about, and I want to go back to Jean Chrétien. But yeah. let me start with Mr. McKay. Um, he, he, he said a couple of things that, that uh, were significant to me. Number one, that, uh, that he spoke to Mr. Mulroney at the end. I, and I am told by friends that those kinds of conversations were happening at the end, that Mr. Mulroney knew the end was nigh, uh, that his family was with him in Florida uh, when he did pass away. Uh, and uh, it, it was quite peaceful. Um, so there's that. The other thing that, that Mr. McKay said, uh, flashback, we were talking about legacies. Uh, a lot of people are talking about legacies. Mr. McKay noted that um, Mr. Mulroney uh, got a call from Diefenbaker when he was to Ganesh. The thing about mm. th that call, from what others have said, is yes, he did. And he made sure everybody in the dorm knew <laughs> that he was taking a call from the prime minister. Uh, and, 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 and that's the thing about legacies. And I saw it in Jean Chrétien as well. These guys never stopped politicking. They uh, made it, uh, if not their full-time job, a great part of their lives after they left office was making sure that they had a say in how they would be remembered. Um, uh, Mr. Mr. Mulroney would tell you uh, in many ways, uh, self-deprecating ways, that he was a warts and all kind of guy, but he wanted you to know about the all as well. Um, and, and Mr. Kretzian, Mr. Kretzian did say that, uh, you know, they teased each other uh, and they were, but they were friendly. Yeah, they did tease each other, but when they were facing each other as political opponents, and there was a brief moment where that was going on, it wasn't always just teasing. Um, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Kretzian said that he didn't want to maintain the same kind of relationship with presidents that Brian Mulroney did. Brian Mulroney went, went fishing with, with George W. Bush. I was there at Kennebunkport uh, once, and, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Kretzian said, I, I, I don't uh, want to go fishing with the president because I don't want to end up looking like the fish. <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, Mr. Mr. Mulroney was fond of quoting Dalton Camp, one of his campaign strategists, and uh, saying that uh, Mr. Kretzian looked like the guy who was driving the getaway car. Uh, so it could get pretty tough between <laughs> the two of them, pretty personal. Yeah. Uh, and yes, they kind of patched it up afterwards, but they didn't mind going after each other. And they're both very good. They were both very good at burnishing their own legacies. 
All right, uh, Rob, that's a good point. About, talk about it, it getting very personal. And, and Rosie, I uh, should also thank you for your translation uh, during uh, Jean Chrétien uh, speaking to reporters. But speaking of very personal, you wanted to talk a little about Lucien Bouchard, which is maybe the most personal episode yeah. in Brian Mulroney's political career. I did because I think it shows um, sort of the other side of that, right? While uh, we, we've had countless now anecdotes, personal and otherwise, of his relationships, when the relationships went bad, as they did with Lucien Bouchard, there was no coming back from that. And I, and I think that's really important yeah. to remember here, that he brought Lucien Bouchard in as a friend, a, a, a fellow Quebecer, as someone who he thought was going to bring something important to him, uh, first appointing him as ambassador to, to Paris, and then later as a minister of the environment. So, so he saw real value in that, and, and they remained very close during that time. As Meech started to, to fall apart, uh, people may remember uh, Monsieur Bouchard sent, I think it was a telegram, to uh, Jacques Parizeau telling him that he was not on side with, right. with Mulroney. It was a, a public, devastating betrayal for, for Mr. Mulroney. And, uh, and the relationship was severed f from that moment on. Um, Monsieur Bouchard, as we know, went on to form the Bloc Québécois, which exists now uh, to become the premier of Quebec and to have his life then be overtaken by the sovereignty movement. But uh, w what strikes me about this relationship is that it was never repaired. Yeah. Um, and when Brian Mulroney wrote about it in his book and then later did um, an interview with Lloyd uh, Robertson on, on CTV, he actually said, and I went back just to remind myself, he said, I will never forgive him. He won't come to my funeral. Wow. Like, it was that, like, that's how um, deep the feelings were. I'm Irish, so I get holding a grudge. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, the I, I get it. Like, that, yeah. that, that, that exists. Yeah. But that's how deep the cut was. So as much as he loved people and understood politics. When someone betrayed him, as he believed that Lucien Bouchard had, there was no coming back. And Lucien Bouchard has spoken about it too and, and, and never thought that they would uh, mend fences. But to me, that was a, a, a sort of a stunning statement of, mm -hmm. of what that meant to him and how he felt about that moment. So yes, you will hear glowing things from lots of people over the next number of days. But there are still people who believe that he made, he, did, he didn't do the right things like Lucien Bouchard. And, and he lost some of those people fr from the decisions that he was making. Oh, and I get the Irish point. Uh, you know, I grew up with the expression of uh, Irish amnesia. You forget everything except the grudge. <laughs> That's right. And this is one of the things, Aaron, that, that despite all of the conversations about the deep personal friendships and connections that were there, this is a, a legacy of it all. And we have, you know, a, a parliamentary caucus now that has uh, sustained itself beyond that. Uh, that is one of the reasons maybe we're in minority parliaments for the next little while and sort of that personal falling out over a massive issue issues is having, you know, the ripple effects being felt decades later. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say things fell apart uh, after 93, right? And yeah. uh, the PC party never really recovers. And I think you can make a fair argument that the reform party that came next uh, had a much bigger influence over the modern conservative party than, right. than the old PC party had. I think, you know, it's interesting, though, to talk about grudges, uh, because it is, it is kind of fascinating that Justin Trudeau and Brian Mulroney got along so well because Pierre Trudeau went out of his way in a certain respect to, to undermine Brian Mulroney's constitutional efforts. And right. obviously they were able to somehow see past that. I mean, I think that is partially uh, uh, to probably to both men's credit that they were willing to kind of put aside such things. 
but I think it also goes to to sort of you know Brian Mulroney's own sort of you know maybe Lucien Bouchard accepted. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 try to make connections and reach out to people and want to be in the mix and want to be uh, of service and, and, and want to be helpful to important people. Can, can I tell you one personal story? I, I'm not you supposed sure to tell personal stories necessarily, but it's a I, can't, I can't even remember what was happening, uh, frankly, but shock of shocks, I was being attacked on social media. You know, it's, very, <laughs> it's stunning that that would happen. And I can't remember why, but because it happens a lot. But it was, it was a, there was a lot. There was a huge yeah. pile on. And um, out of nowhere, uh, Brian Mulroney called me on my desk phone. Really? I didn't reach out to him. He called me. And uh, he just said, hey, I see what's happening. Um, on, or I'm being told what's happening on social media because I don't know if it was on social media. Um, and I just wanted to say, uh, you know, shake it off. Th- th- this is what happens in this game. He then went on to tell me, you know, 16 stories about people who were mean to him and <laughs> where he told them to go. Yeah. But he he um, he did that unprompted, uh, but but sought me out to remind me that this is sometimes what happens at this level, uh, that the wind blows hard up top. And uh, that, you know, that's a personal story, but I think it reiterates yeah. the point that everyone is making, that, that he thought of people. Okay, we've got to interrupt you, Rosie. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau reacting to the death of Brian Mulroney. His best friend and partner of 50 years, Mila, his uh, amazing kids and grandkids uh, who loved him dearly and who he loved with all his heart. Um, There are many, many people across the country tonight who are uh, reeling and feeling uh, a deep absence. Uh, He was committed to this country, loved it with all his heart, and served it many, many years in many different ways. He had the courage to do big things, whether it was negotiating free trade with the United States and then with Mexico, all the while standing up to protect Canada's environment, to push back against the Americans on acid rain, to stand strong on the international stage, standing up for Canada's values against communism and authoritarianism, against apartheid, leading with our values around the world. He was uh, incredibly generous and effective um, in advising me and our government on the renegotiation of NAFTA. Uh, during some very challenging years uh, where not just the advice and strategic counsel he gave me and us, but also active with uh, his contacts as part of Team Canada to make sure that the messages on how important the friendship and the relationship between Canada and the U.S. was, not just for Canada but the U.S., was key. His commitment to this country as a proud Quebecer, to um, bringing people together and demonstrating um, the, the impact but also the necessity of Canada on the world stage and the pride that Canadians could take in it was something that uh, has left its mark. He shaped our past but he shapes our present and he will impact our future as well. He was an extraordinary statesman, 
uh, and he will be deeply, deeply missed. Mes pensées ce soir sont tout d'abord avec la My thoughts tonight are first and foremost with the Mulroney family. Mila, his partner of 50 years, his children, his grandchildren, and all of those in the country who loved him. He had a profound humanism. His connection with others, his listening kills, his interest in what was happening in the country and what was happening in the lives of the people with whom he talked was genuine and profound. He did big things for this country, whether it's with working with the Americans to sign the free trade agreement, while pushing back against the Americans on acid rain and by working for the environment, fighting for the environment. He had an important position on the international front by presenting and putting forth Canada's values while fighting against communism and authoritarian regimes and apartheid. He is a man who profoundly loved his country. He was dedicated to it. He was a true statesman. And he shaped our past and our present and will continue to shape our future. We are all saddened because we no longer have him with us. But we will let his service inspire us for many years to come. Thank you. Okay, that is current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau reacting to the death of one of his uh, predecessors, uh, former progressive conservative Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, who died today at the age of 84, 20 days shy of his 85th birthday. Uh, He offered his condolences, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau did, uh, to uh, Brian Mulroney's family, his wife Mila, and their children. He said that many, many people across the country are reeling and feeling a deep absence tonight saying that Brian Mulroney loved this country and he served it, gave in, was incredibly generous uh, with his advice and help, uh, in particular on the renegotiation of NAFTA, which is one of the most significant political and economic challenges the Trudeau government has faced during his time in office, at least certainly during the first term before the pandemic. Brian Mulroney was brought in uh, to offer advice and strategic counsel and help uh, Justin Trudeau's government navigate those challenges and uh, reminded him to keep the importance of the Canada-U.S. relationship at the front of everything um, that this government did in dealing with former U.S. President Donald Trump. And he said that, Justin Trudeau said that Brian Mulroney shaped our past, shaped our present, and will shape our future. Uh, we've had to say goodbye to our chief political correspondent, Rosemary Barton, and to my old boss, Rob Russo, but my colleague, Aaron Weary, our senior writer here for CBC.ca and CBC News is still here. Um, Aaron, uh, your thoughts um, on what Justin Trudeau said? I thought his bit about shaping our past, shaping our present, shaping our future speaks to what we've been talking about, the legacy of the economic deals, the climate deals, and, and work on social justice internationally. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the prime minister said at one point, you know, he did big things. And mm-hmm. uh, as I said earlier, I think that speaks... You know, not only to Brian Mulroney, but also to something that Justin Trudeau, that probably speaks to Justin Trudeau personally, the idea of being in that office to do big things, uh, and also the humanity of Brian Mulroney, uh, and and how involved he was and how much he reached out to other people. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting and it's probably worth reflecting on that, you know, we've now had kind of in, in relatively short succession 
the deaths of John Turner, Ed Broadbent, yeah. and Brian Mulroney, three leaders who who kind of defined the 80s in, in federal politics. Well, in that 1988 politics. election on free trade. Yeah, exactly. Three, right? And uh, I think, you know, look, you can idealize the past uh, sometimes at your peril and, and uh, you know, things were, it wasn't a golden age, things weren't perfect. But I think it's interesting that all three of these men now have been kind of remembered as very substantive, very human, uh, very uh, committed to the country, very patriotic, and and well regarded across party uh, party lines. You know, Brian Mulroney had lovely things to say about Ed Broadbent, and he had a lovely things yeah. to say about John Turner. And uh, you know, by uh, again, we shouldn't idealize the past, but I think it's 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 interesting that these three men are remembered the way they are and are remembered so fondly. And I think that's something for. You know, maybe even today's politicians to think about wanting to be remembered in that same way. I, I've been thinking about that, right? Um, you know, uh, Roberts are talking about you know the way Brian already reached out to people, even journalists and people across the island, building those relationships. And, and John Manley saying he was my opponent, not my enemy, and Jean Chrétien saying much the same thing because their entire political careers were in opposition to each other. Uh, but that intensity that we see now missing from a lot of those reflections. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it was an anecdote Rob shared about, uh, you know, Paul Martin asking his first question in the House and, yeah. and it going quite badly. And then Brian Mulroney sending a note across the aisle to, <laughs> to kind of offer some consolation. I think that is the way things worked at times in yeah. the past. Uh, now, look, again, as I say, we shouldn't fall into the trap of believing that, that if there was a golden age. But I do, you know, think there is at moments like this worth reflecting on some of the camaraderie and some of the spirit that these politicians brought to federal politics and, and whether there are things that can be learned from and, and borrowed from in the, in the present that may be missing. Yes, the ability to speak to people on opposite sides of the argument in a way that isn't always uh, so divisive and angry uh, would be a good thing to do. Uh, Aaron, thanks for being here. Uh, really appreciate this. Aaron Weary, my colleague here at CBC. That's it for today. If you like this episode, please follow the pod and catch our next live show on CBC News Network. We're on weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm David Cochran. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.